The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Through a mix of solo and interview episodes, I want to showcase all the different ways the spirit world helps guide our daily lives, whether it's through intuition, signs, mediumship, channeling, the mystical, or the paranormal, our altruistic spirit guides and other members of our loving soul team are always there, ready, able, and willing to guide us. guest today is Kiki Athanas. Kiki helps smart women conquer emotional eating and practice healthy, balanced eating with consistency and ease, even in the face of life's challenges. Thank you, Kiki, for being here today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. It's a real honor to be on your show. I love your work and your approach. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. So first of all, can you tell us a bit more about you and how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So I think like many practitioners in the health and wellness space, we teach what we at one point needed to heal. And for myself, I had something called orthorexia, which is essentially an obsession with clean eating. Not that it's anything to joke about, but sort of joke that I was unhealthily obsessed with health foods. And it was something that went on for almost a decade of my life. And it wasn't necessarily a problem until it was. It's like I always sort of knew I had this over-the-top fixation on food driven from this need to control. I was a perfectionist and it served me well for so long, but eventually the control and the restriction led to binging, led to the other side of the pendulum. And that's when I really needed to seek support. I was able to find someone that did eventually really, really help me out of it and reconnect with my body. And it was such a powerful experience that bled into so many other areas of my life that I decided to make it my own life's work. Just organically, I started sharing it with friends and family because who doesn't know a woman that has some weird stuff going on with food and connecting to your body. So it was a pretty easy sell. And then I realized that, oh, it's not just people that have orthorexia or even any other disordered eating. So many of us have this weird relationship to food and eating and our bodies. And the process just works so well and it continues to do so that that's really what brought me to what I do today. Yeah, well, it's always so nice when we can take hardships or something that happened in our life and give it a twist so that we can use it to empower us and to help other people and to empower other people. As a registered nurse myself, I know the problem with obesity and everything that comes along with that as far as like high cholesterol, blood sugars and things like that. So I know that it's rampant 
just scrolling through my social media, I can see how it's all about this diet or that diet, this workout program, that workout program to help maybe clear some of that noise and to give some clarity for the listener who maybe is in a position of where in the world do I start? I'm inundated with so much information. How would you guide somebody like that? Yeah. And that's such a good question. It reminds me of something that I heard the other day, which is, oh, we all know what to do. We just don't do it. And I would actually disagree because just like you said, you scroll Instagram and it's like, try to find the right thing to do. There's some people saying just eat plants. And then there's other people saying, oh, if you eat a plant, that's really bad. It has lectins and this, and you should have the carnivore diet. So it's not about finding the right diet. It's really about reconnecting with the boundaries of the body, hunger and taste. So rather than focus your attention on trying to do the right thing, what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating, when you should be eating, when you shouldn't be eating, we've lost the point, which is hunger. It's healthy to arrive at hunger. Hunger is not this chaotic, horrible place that God forbid we ever arrive at. Hunger is healthy. And I'm not saying we all need to starve ourselves. Absolutely not. But it's this new shift in oh, okay, I can arrive at hunger. And then when I am hungry, I can respect myself and tend to that hunger by eating, by eating something that tastes good to me, that feels good for me, and really letting go of all of the head chatter that interferes with you're feeling like some broccoli and quinoa, but then it's, oh, but quinoa, but that's a car, but then this, but then I have to have this. And it's Mm, all of this head chatter that gets in the way of our intuition. I might have even lost sense of your actual question, but I would say let go of all of the head chatter and come back to the boundaries of the body hunger, taste. And then of course, when I say hunger, I'm also referring to satiety. So really recognizing balance. We don't want to feel full at the end of our meal, but we want to feel fully satiated. If you simply follow that, notice how I've never said anything about what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating. If you simply follow hunger, satiety, and then choose foods that feel good for you, because when we're making connected choices, we naturally gravitate towards quote unquote healthy foods, but we don't need to head brain our way into it. We can actually gut brain our way into it and feel into it just simply by following that that is your best diet. That is your best prescription. Because I don't know what your activity levels are, what your hormone profile is at the moment, what your nutrient deficiency status is. You know the best and it's removing all of the head chatter so that you can be your best doctor, nutritionist, whatever it is. Not to say that we don't need those people. Of course, we need doctors. But I'm just saying we don't have to look to external meal plans or diets. We actually have to come within. And I can appreciate that that's some sometimes sounds a little bit fluffy or a little bit vague. And I try to make it as clear and actionable for my clients. And hopefully we can share some of that on this conversation too. So I don't want it to just be like, oh, you just got to love yourself and do what you want. Yes, you do. But also I get that sometimes (laughs) you need more of a framework than that. Yeah. Gosh, (laughs) when you look at it that way, it's so much more involved and not to make it complex, but emotionally and mentally, when you start to have to turn to yourself for the cues. And you mentioned intuition, which I love because I have heard about intuitive eating, but it's interesting how it's combined with very physical body sensations. (laughs) You know, we think intuition, right? We think whatever that sixth sense is, but connected then with, well, am I actually hungry? How's my physical body feeling? That's fantastic. 
you nailed it. We have a stomach for a reason, and it's so that we don't need to think about eating. We have these visceral sensations in the body that cue us. It's communication. It means that we can move through our life engaged in on our path, hopefully in alignment with what we're doing. And then, yes, something will have that feeling in our stomach. And we have to honor and respect that. And unfortunately, when we try to control everything through our head brain, the head brain, it doesn't have a stomach, so it never gets full. So those thoughts never turn off. We're always strategizing. I love that. Our head brain does not have a stomach, so your brain never gets full. (laughs) So how does somebody go about learning to trust their stomach brain? Mm -hmm. So number one, I would say the first place to start And almost everyone can benefit from this, whether you resonate with having disordered eating or whether you resonate with, oh, I sometimes overeat a little bit. I encourage you to start looking at separating eating from the movement of your life. What do I mean by that? Eating is a break in life. We're meant to be sitting down. That tells the body that we're safe, helps us get into rest and digest. And then we're not in this chaotic, stressy, multitasking, still on our laptop, doing the emails, whatever, putting something away and then also eating. Is your eating truly separate from the movement of your life? Are you stopping what you're doing and eating? Look at the French. They're eating all the quote unquote unhealthy foods. And guess what? Most of them are slender. And it's not necessarily because they have this hack of how to make croissants healthy. No, it's because they're stopping, they're pausing, they're letting themselves come into rest and digest. They're not rushing the experience. They're eating until they feel good, until they feel balanced. And then they're moving back into the movement of their life. And so how can you start to do that in your day? Oftentimes, most people do it in the morning if they can. But then it's by lunchtime. It's, oh, okay, well, no, I've, I've got to be doing this. Or they're scrolling while they're eating. And they're not really connected to their food. How can you possibly hear those subtle gut whispers when you're doing three other things at the same time? It's impossible. So number one is start to separate that. And then I would say as a second step is really start to honor hunger. Are you eating because it's breakfast time or it's lunchtime? Or are you eating in anticipation of, well, if I don't eat now, I might get hungry. Mm. And if you have excess storage, then if you're hungry for a hot second, you're not going to die. I'm not trying to preach everyone starving themselves. Absolutely. But for a lot of people, we have a little bit of excess storage. And so if we go hungry for half an hour, you know what I mean? We're not going to drop dead. We'll survive. So it's about really becoming a little bit more comfortable with hunger. And then, of course, as it arrives, honor it, eat and eat something that you like, not something you feel like you should have. It's like, oh, well, I would like this, but that's bad. So I'm not going to have it. No, allow yourself a total abundance of choice. And guess what? The answer won't be as scary as you think, because when you're connected to hunger, do you crave the quote unquote bad food? Maybe occasionally, but most of the time you're probably going to crave something fairly nutritious. And it's going to come from a wanting place versus a should place. And that's a totally different energy. Yeah, I know that energy because for me, it's nighttime where I'm like, oh, I want something sweet. I just had dinner. So I know I'm not hungry, but my mouth is like wanting something sweet. So I totally understand that. I wanted to ask you, and this may sound like a silly question, but I want your perspective on it. What should hunger feel like? 
such a good question. Okay. No, I love that question. And that's also the question that I get after like a week or two with working mm. with my women. They're like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm starting to accept this whole hunger thing, but what does it even really feel like? Here's the thing. If we are like, hmm, am I hungry? Am I not? Probably not, right? If you really have to question it, if you really have to consider it, likely or not. That's a good rule of thumb. Right? It's a feeling that is different for everyone. I will say for a lot of people, there's a growling, there's like a rumbling, there's some sort of noise in their stomach. For others, there isn't. So I'm not saying you have to wait for a rumble, but there's a feeling of my body is chemically prepared to digest food. It's not, oh, there's room in my stomach. I'm a little bit peckish, but my body is chemically prepared to digest food and I am hungry. Hunger is a calm, slow build. I think so many of us now are fearing hunger because we're mistaking it for feeling anxious, for having low blood sugar, for being hangry, which Mm. is different. We all know that feeling of maybe we're on vacation and things are really peaceful and calm and beautiful. And then slowly you start to catch, oh, I'm getting a little bit hungry, right? But it's not this like, oh my God, if I don't eat in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to bite someone's head off. (laughs) It's not. It's this calm build. And so it's really recognizing, oh, wait, am I hungry right now? Or is this really chaotic state, me just being really stressed, anxious, tired? And I'm not saying so don't eat, but tend to that separately, because eating doesn't fix everything. It fixes hunger, but it shouldn't fix necessarily fatigue or anxiety or all of these things. We have to care for those emotions separately. So again, I'm not trying to say so don't eat. But it's recognize what's going on. You waiting in the morning, actually waiting for real hunger versus just having breakfast. Oftentimes, that's the one that if you're struggling to really figure out what does hunger feel like, okay, wake up and have zero expectations of when you want to eat, but just catch the slow, subtle build of hunger. And if there's something else going on where you're like, when I get hungry, I feel super nauseous or this or that, then there's something else going on that we need to figure out. There's some other non-value based beliefs that are operating in the gut or there is something else going on because hunger shouldn't be painful. It shouldn't be this clenching in your stomach Mm. or anything super dramatic. It's a calm, fairly neutral sensation. It's communication from the body that, oh, I'm prepared to eat. Okay. So that's really helpful. For me, I know that I typically never considered myself a breakfast person. I'm just not hungry when I wake up. My first meal is between 10 and 12. And I will hear from the outside mixed things. You got to eat within the first hour of waking up or make breakfast the most important meal of the day. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, like the thought of forcing food because I'm not hungry just doesn't sound appealing, appetizing at all. Yeah. So I like that. Good for you honoring that. And you probably recognize though that you have messages over here that are like, absolutely, you have to have breakfast. And then yeah. there's messages over on the other side that are like intermittent fasting, don't eat before 12. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so it's, which do you follow? You follow your own hunger. Hunger always arrives. Yes. That's the other thing. We don't have to fear. I'm just saying, wait for hunger. It'll come up eventually. For some, it'll take longer, but that's fine. That's beautiful. You can tap into, okay, I'm going to wait for hunger, whether it comes at 10, 11, 12, and then I'm going to eat something. There's no need to rush the experience. The reason why you're feeling called to not is because your body isn't ready. And so it's not going to feel good. Yeah. It's not going to taste as good for you. You're maybe not going to digest it as well because you're just simply not ready. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
Now, sometimes I'll notice too, so maybe you could speak to this. Sometimes I notice that my tummy will growl, but I still don't feel hungry. Like I still don't want to eat something. What's that about? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that could be digestion. Mm, If you're not actually really feeling hunger. And that can sometimes happen. I get that question a lot where it's after lunch or after dinner. It's like an hour after and it's like, oh, I'm like feeling growls, but I'm not hungry. Yeah, it might just be digestion and it might be the body doing its detox process. And if you don't feel hunger, that's fine. Oftentimes when that happens though, and you haven't eaten recently, you're saying that that's happening sometimes in the morning, you're having growls. Yeah, I'll notice it in the morning sometimes. Yeah. So then in that case, you probably are recognizing that it does come not too, too late after that. It's almost like it's getting rid of the last bit of food. You're still in ketosis at that time. And then eventually it will switch to the hunger hormone will kick in eventually. Also, a hunger hormone can be trained time-wise. If you're used to always eating at 11 or whatever, generally speaking, that's when the hunger will pop up. Oh, that makes sense. And interestingly enough, it only takes about two to three days to retrain it. So if you notice that you're always eating at 8 p.m., for instance, having that snack or whatever tomorrow you decide, no, I'm not going to do it. It is going to yell at you a little bit for 8pm if you've been Uh, doing it every day. But the good news is do it for two or three days. And it's like a very, very easily trained dog. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious, the clients that you have worked with who have been able to incorporate this type of conscientious eating in their life, what kind of results are they seeing? Oh, thank you for asking. So I only work with women just because that's who I most resonate with. And I think that I take a slight approach of it of I'm coming at it like woman to woman, so to speak. And so in terms of the results, it's really what was the intention going in? For some women, it's I am having gut issues that no other doctors can explain. I'm having bouts of diarrhea and then constipation or whatever, typical IBS. And it's like, I need to get it under control. And so it's a calming of the gut and that's the goal and the results. For other women, it is weight loss. I'm not afraid to say as an intuitive eating coach, some of my colleagues in the space don't ever want to talk about weight because they're like, oh no, and like I'm all about self-love. I don't want to talk about weight. But you know what? It's okay. If you genuinely feel like you're carrying excess and you're like, I would like to get rid of it. I don't think that that is a disrespectful thing to say to yourself as long as you're still respecting yourself, but you can want to change and improve and that's okay. Sure. And so for many of the women that I work with, it is a weight thing because they have been battling with all of these diets and deprivation. And what does that eventually end in? Oftentimes overeating. I always say rules of eating lead to overeating in the end. We can only restrict for so long. It's interesting to say that, oh, I help women who are obsessed with dieting actually lose weight. It's like, wait, if they were obsessed with dieting, wouldn't they be slim? Actually, no. (laughs) It's often the opposite because that's why there's maintenance programs for all of these diets out there, right? They don't necessarily work in the long term. And this system, it won't help you shed 10 pounds by next week, but definitely not. But it helps you come back to your healthy set point to essentially to a point where you don't have excess storage. We all have different shapes and sizes. Some of us have smaller, thinner frames, so we can't really change that. I mean, I don't know, maybe with surgery, maybe (laughs) you could, but we can only say, okay, I would like my body without the excess 
storage, the excess weight. That is 100% doable. With that said, we all have different frames of our bone structure. Yeah. And I get the desire to want to lose weight because I feel like that's one way that is easy to watch the progress of and a value that we can quantify how things are going. I do know that it's not the entire picture, but it's just one way to quantify how it's going. Yeah. I know for myself, I had all of these weird food things and I knew that I needed to heal, but I also wanted to lose weight. And I felt like it was one or the other. I felt like, okay, I'm either going to heal my relationship to food. I'm going to love myself or I'm going to lose the weight. It was like two different Mm. paths. I can hire this person to help me with that, or I can hire this person to help me with that. And it wasn't until I eventually found this method and worked with this coach where she didn't shame me when I said, actually, I have gained about 10 pounds and I want to lose them. She was like, yeah, of course you do. That's normal. You don't want to carry excess storage. All good. Let's get back to healing now. And it was so, whoa, this woman is going to help me heal, but she's not pointing her finger at me. Yeah. Dare I no shame. I want to lose weight. And that's how I want to approach yeah. women because I noticed even on first calls with them, they'll almost secretly tell me they're waiting for me to get mad at them. Feeling you out first. <laughs> yeah. And like, well, I know it's not that bad. I don't have that much, especially for women where it's just that extra five or 10 pounds. They feel so bad because like, I know my other friend, she has a lot more weight to lose. I shouldn't be complaining, but it's like, it's okay. Totally. <laughs> You're not taking away from someone else's light by saying that you want to drop 10 pounds. (laughs) Yeah. And it's better for your joints. Yes, totally. So I'm curious, how do you incorporate the spiritual component to this? Oh, and before you answer that, what is the name of the method that you use? So I call it the gut brain integration method. And Ah. it's very inspired by multiple brain integration method. There's a wonderful book on it, MBIT. It's really about regulating the head, heart, and gut brains so that there's coherence and communication. And I think that segues really nicely into your question around the spiritual component. I think that we have to, or I would actually even say I know that, we really have to connect to our truest self. And to do that, we have to connect with whether you call it source, the universe, whatever it is. We can't do that if we feel disconnected from our gut. Our gut holds our core identity. And if we feel like we are out of alignment on our path and we are not operating from a place of total choice and freedom, then how can we possibly be connected to ourselves, be connected to source, be connected to the universe, like the quantum? Oftentimes, I don't share this perspective when I first meet with women because I feel like they just want to know, like, yeah, what are the strategies? What are this? What are that? It's a deeply healing spiritual experience, especially for the women that I work with. I notice that they're very much operating in masculine energy more than their feminine. And a lot of these women, they've lost their period. There's things going on. All of these signs that it's like, yes, because you're trying to be a man. One, you're not softening into who you are. Maybe you've chosen this path that doesn't actually align with your divine spiritual path that you actually want to be on. But it's like, oh, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this university. I'm going to make this money, blah, blah. And then I'm going to work, work, work every single day, every single month. And then they wonder why they're trying to buffer through food. It's like they're trying to soften the discomfort in their life through food. And I always say, if there are food issues, there are life issues. 
And so if we were truly connected to ourselves, to source, to our path, to truly following, I am already being, I don't have to do anything. I can just be, would we overeat? No. And usually I more so use the analogy of if you were on vacation and had a million dollars, all the things you think you want, if you had all those things, do you think that you would over or under eat? No. We're using it as a tool to escape reality. And so it's a matter of, okay, yeah, let's take some steps to get you back in a reality that you can like and appreciate. But also it's about recognizing that all you have to do is be and eating is in the moment. So many of the women that I work with do like, oh, I'm in meditation and I do my breath work, then I do this, then I do that. And then they rush throughout the rest of their day. (laughs) And I'm like, why don't you just take your calm with you. Why don't you create this meditative experience through your food? Because you eat, most of us eat multiple times every single day. And that's a very intimate ritual that you have with yourself. I think there's a huge spiritual component to what I do. I'm open to learning more. And I'm currently in this journey myself where I'm starting to listen to all those podcasts where I thought if I would have heard them years ago, I'm like, oh my goodness, these people are crazy. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, people know everything. (laughs) You know, I definitely can't say I'm an expert, but the more that I do the work, the more that I realize "Mm, it's so much beyond the method. It's more of a tapping back into self. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You have so many good Kiki quotes. I just have to say like (laughs) one-liner Kiki quotes. I'm like, oh, I want to grab that one and I want to write that one down. Luckily, this is recorded. (laughs) Yeah. So there's one really strong connection with the physical gut and spirituality when it comes to intuition and getting those gut feelings from the other side or whatever that feeling Mm -hmm. is coming from. And I've been told by my spirit guide that we're given these physical sensations, for instance, like a gut feeling because we're such physical beings. So that connection there can be really strong as well. I so agree. And I find it so interesting. It's one of the questions that I get so often from once I actually start working with someone, they're like, I don't think I have intuition or my intuition isn't strong enough. How do I max my intuition? Mm. And I actually approach it more from we just need to get rid of all of the interference that's getting in the way of you just listening and honoring and feeling into your intuition versus hmm, like, how do I strengthen my intuition? I come at it more from approach of let's just get rid of all the head chatter that's shushing your intuition because we all have It's like process of elimination. Exactly. And I think that we live in a world where everything is quite loud and aggressive. And so I think that we're almost waiting for, I don't know, someone that sounds like Denzel Washington to just be like, stop eating now. It's time. It's not going to come in words. You know what I mean? Like, it's just going to be this (laughs) subtle feeling, this visceral sensation, this felt sense. And as soon as you let go and surrender to what it should be or what it should sound like or feel like or whatever, then you can let it be felt in the way that it's meant to be felt for you. Oh, I love that. Okay. So you did mention a little bit about your spiritual journey. So I'm going to take us a little off course here because I'm curious how your journey 
started and how it's going. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Me too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I had the pleasure of in university, I think that's when I actually started disconnecting from myself because it was the time that I fully made that decision of, okay, I'm going to go to business school and I'm smart. So I'm going to do the thing that I should do. And that's when I really started to make those tangible decisions that really did take me off course. When I was younger, I always liked fashion and art and creativity. And university was the first decision that I made that neglected my real true needs. Mm. But the good news is, is that I connected with this beautiful group of women they would run these goddess circles. And I thought that they were kind of nuts, but they also really, for some reason, liked me and gravitated towards me and wouldn't invite me to these. I can see why. (laughs) You're very likable. Thank you. Um, While I was heads down in the library doing my business, all this stuff, on the weekends and once a month, we'd go up to this cottage and they would dance. They'd be, oh my God, it's like the full moon. And it was just this little secret world that I was, oh my God, all of them were just the most beautiful creatures. And I'm sure that it was also because they were physically attractive, but I also know that it was just because they were so connected to themselves, to the earth, to however you want to call it, mm-hmm. that they just glow like little angels. So I think they were really my gateway <laughs> into the whole world so that when certain things would pop up, even just going to some of these more spiritual stores and like seeing the Palo Santo and like things like that, it wasn't new to me. Other people in my network would be like, oh, how do you know that? I had this little portal and I'm so thankful for them because they were also just intelligent, well-spoken. They still fit the expectation of what are good people in my eyes. They still fit my conservative boxes of like, okay, they're good. I can trust them. They're good. And so it allowed me to enter the world. Again, Mm -hmm. I'm very much still on it. I'm just more open to it because of them. And at this point, I'm really interested in... I don't know how to make this not sound dramatic, but the point of life. And and that's a big question, Kiki. Let me know tomorrow when I figure it out. (laughs) But yeah, just wow. I see it so much with my clients now, where like there's a lot of sadness because I think that they're recognizing that it's, oh, is this all there is? And then they're also recognizing maybe there could be more for me. Maybe there is more than just the job and the money and the house and the things. There's almost like a death of the ego that's happening so that there's a rebirth of what is actually theirs. And when they get to that point, I'm no longer their guy. I'm like, girl, I'm right there with you. You know what I mean? I think they sometimes turn to me like, what do I do now? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's figure it out together. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like spiritual awakenings. I think the term is a little bit of a misnomer only because, yes, there's this beautiful awakening, but there's also a lot of death that occurs. And so it could be really hard for some people, very exciting. So that's pretty cool that you kind of get to be a part of that and witness that with so many women just through wanting to be healthier and fix their bodies. <laughs> or well, fix. I hate the word fix, but totally to it's improve. It's a plot twist. They're always yeah. like, oh, I just need to like, stop overeating. And then we get to a place where it's, oh my God. <laughs> and that doesn't always happen. But oftentimes it does. So oftentimes there is some shift of, oh my God, I need to quit my job. This isn't an alignment or I need to leave my partner. Mm. Sometimes it's also a very subtle shift. And it's just like, oh, nothing actually has to change. I just need to change the energy of which 
consuming yeah. it and engaging with it. But the possibility is there of huge discoveries. <laughs> you totally. <laughs> I laugh and I think it's funny, but I think it's awesome, first of all. But your introduction into spirituality you dove in head first. I mean, circles and dancing and rituals. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I could only dream. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't even know how good it was because I was like, am I supposed to even be there? We were like naked moon bathing. Doing- oh, I love it. <laughs> I was right. And then it wasn't until I got to know other people in the community and then I would show them pictures of these retreats and they're like, oh my God, how can I sign up? I'm like, oh no, this is just a private thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, right place at the right time. I'm like fully a witch now. (laughs) Oh my gosh, how fun. I don't know, secretly, maybe not secretly. I've always wanted to do something like that, but I never have. I feel like my spiritual journey has been up until recently, very private and very personal and didn't really know too many other people. And so I have these grandiose ideas of, oh, it's a full moon. What can I do? Call my friends and do something. So I find that that's so interesting. And that's so great that you're open to it. Oh, girl, do Do an in-person thing. I'll be there. (laughs) Yes, you will. (laughs) You're like, I don't know what's happening, but I'll be there. (laughs) I love it. Oh, Kiki, this has been such a fantastic conversation. So much knowledge. It's been so great. To help wrap up our interview, I was wondering, what advice would the Kiki of today give the Kiki of our past? I would not necessarily give advice, but I would give soothing. The Kiki of my past did not need any more guidance or advice. She just needed someone to put their hand on her shoulder and just be like, girl, it's all going to be okay. You don't have to try so hard. You're already perfect, beautiful, and whole. The less you try to accomplish all of the things like being whole, beautiful, and smart, the more that you can just enjoy all of what you already are. So I think I would just tell her to chill the F out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I feel like in this day and age, everybody could benefit from hearing those words. So Kiki, I just want to thank you again so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge and your journey with us so far. So thank you. Thank you. It was so sweet to chat with you. You have the best energy. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And that was another episode of a Guided Life podcast. To connect with me via my socials or for links to my book titled Guided or my card deck called From Your Spirit Guides, please visit my Linktree site at l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash guided west. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.